Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is not according to your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe and believing obey. Amen. This morning, I want you to imagine with me that you're a child and that you're nine years old and it's just about Christmas time. It's just about Christmas time and you're sitting in the kitchen at a hand-me-down table with your chair up next to a drafty window. Your feet barely touch the floor. The floor is covered with yellow linoleum that's turned up around the edges of the walls. You spend most of your time in the cold winter in this house or on the school bus or in school. In fact, when you think about it, this is about all of it. Confined. Confined. You've never really been anywhere, but it is not like you stop to think about that much or are sad about it. Nobody you know really goes anywhere. The State Museum is coming up this spring for your third grade trip. That will be fun. And I want you to imagine that you're sitting at this table with your mother who's young. She's like 27. She had you when she was 18 and she seems like she wants to tell you something but is waiting. And someone pulls up in the dooryard. That's what they call it where you're from. Now you know that in other places they call it the driveway or the entry but then it was just the dooryard. That someone that pulled in comes in the front door. It is your aunt. You call her auntie. She's even younger than your mother. She's 25, maybe 24. And now you're all sitting down at that imbalanced formica table. You've been at this table with them countless times, but this time it's different. Do they seem upset? Not really. More nervous than upset. And your back presses into the windowsill. They want to tell you something. They really want to tell you something. Here in Luke, today's gospel, we have a similar family scene. Mary arrives at her older cousin Elizabeth's door and we are told she extends greetings. What did that look like? Do they hug? 
Do they sit down? Does Elizabeth offer Mary a drink? How long does it take? How long does it take before Elizabeth jumps to her affirmation of Mary's chosenness? How long does it take before Mary begins to sing? Really, in what could have been at most minutes of her arrival, Mary burst into song. We expect this of Mary Martin and Mary Poppins and even Mary J. Blige, but not Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who has just been told by the angel Gabriel that everything in her life was about to turn upside down, she bursts into song into the Magnificat. She doesn't hold back. She doesn't hesitate. She doesn't leave it for later. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary doesn't wait to sing. She doesn't wait to see what Jesus looks like. She doesn't wait to see the color of his eyes or hair or his weight and length. She doesn't wait for when his first miracle happens or his first disciple follows or his first sermon is heard. Mary doesn't wait until the crucifixion when he atoned for the loss or the resurrection when he won us all back. She started dreaming about how much better the world was going to be because of the child she carries. And she started sharing that dream. She didn't leave joy for later. She didn't leave joy for later. I know a lot of people leaving things for later these days. You know it too. They're leaving visits to relatives for later leaving holiday parties for later, leaving major expenses for later. But some days I worry we are leaving a lot of joy. We're leaving too much joy for later too. It seems to me that these days we have all become a bit like Tolkien's Hobbit Frodo, who at the beginning of The Lord of the Rings sits and reflects on the great journey to Mordor and says to the wizard Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf replies, so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. 
And friends, look what we have done with the time given to us. Look at what this church has done with the time given to us this year. Nearly 8,500 hours of service in November. The calling of a new associate pastor for youth. The immense generosity to those in need. Look at what we've done with the time given to us. Look at what the medical community has done with the time given to them this year. One thought leader wrote last week, without modern medicine or modern communications, we would have seen so many more fatalities worldwide from this pandemic. Our doctors, our nurses, our medical staff of every level warned us in advance, saved us often from ourselves, and prevented a catastrophe of much larger size, and soon the pharmaceutical industry will deliver effective preventative medicines against this. There's a tendency, maybe especially in the Protestant church, there's a tendency to focus almost too much on the pain. We focus almost too much on the thing that we wish had not happened. It is almost like we think that we have this choice, this false choice between Pollyanna perkiness or a lingering sense of loss and Protestants are never going to be accused of being perky. But neither of these two ends of the spectrum deserve our full-time disposition. It is instead, as Frederick Buechner says, we have God's joy in our blood. Is this insensitive? After all, we're taught to be companions in grief. I was actually taught, and this is not an exaggeration, that I should not, as a pastor, say good morning at the beginning of a worship service because what if someone is not having a good morning? But I'm not here for that seminary professor today. I'm here for you, and so is Mary. Mary, who doesn't leave joy for later. Mary, who knows that there are times, and even now may be a time for us to be companions in grief, but with her song she sings, let us not forget to also be co-conspirators in joy. Another Mary, Mary Oliver, writes, If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind. And much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. 
Perhaps this is its way of fighting back, that sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. And that's how it was on that day in the kitchen. From that confined life, when it was just about Christmas time, when your mother and your auntie really want to tell you something, and they don't leave joy for later. It is what they have to tell you, what your auntie wants to ask you. Your mom looks on. How would you like to go to Disney World, she asks you. And all those commercials that you've seen of that far off place, of that place where the Sunday night movies all come from, they pass through your mind. That trip will mean so much to you that you will insist that's where you go on your honeymoon 15 years later. But when you were nine, your auntie was young, the first person to ever graduate from college in her family. She was teaching third graders at a small town elementary school, which she would do for her entire working life. And she was making an offer to you and it was one that she would have to follow up and make to all of your siblings and cousins. And she did, each of them getting to go when they were 10 years old. Your auntie never did have kids of her own. Imagine if she would have waited, thinking one day she would have her own children and that she would save her joy for them. Imagine if she would have left joy for later. But what later would have been the right later? Are you waiting for later? Are you waiting for later because Here's the thing with later. We might spend a lifetime assuming the next later is the better later. And so joy is left for that later, but later does not necessarily get better. Later does not even promise to come. Life is short. So today, friends, I want you to imagine that it is just about Christmas time. I don't know where you are sitting. Maybe it is in a kitchen at a hand-me-down table with your chair up next to a drafty window. Maybe your feet barely touch the floor. Maybe that floor is covered with yellow linoleum that's turned up around the edges of the walls. 
Maybe you've been spending most of your time in the cold winter in this house, confined. But I want to tell you something. I really want to tell you something. Today is the later you were waiting for. Not to take a child on a trip, but today is the day for your voice to join Mary's. Today is the day for the joy in your blood to enliven your bones. Today is the day for you to share that joy because somewhere someone else, someone you know, is waiting for it. And I think you might already know who it is. And it is just about Christmas time. Amen.